Okay, I'm going to just read. I'm going to read in Titus, the second chapter. As, as we've said before, uh, the first, the first epistle of Timothy is, is teaching each of us as local assemblies. It teaches individuals because the local assembly is made up of individuals in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 27, that we're individuals, but that, make, that makes up the, the body of Christ in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 12 and 13. And then it shows uh, the reality of truly what we have, what we have as an opportunity. And, and uh, so 1 Timothy Again, it, it teaches us as individuals that make up local assemblies. Because as we've been taught, the church, uh, multitudes of the church are in heaven right now, and multitudes still on the earth, and we all can't gather in one place. But when God does call us to a particular place, that is the place that becomes our opportunity for him to reveal to us individually what we have. And even though he has us involved in individual things, and even though in, in certain cases that he'll have us alone and separate us to himself, it's never to be separate from the local assembly, ever, in any operation that we have. And so, because that wouldn't be opportunity, would it? It wouldn't. So in that sense, we have this great opportunity. Now, so again, First Timothy, uh, the epistle of First Timothy is teaching how to function in a local assembly as individuals in order, God's order. And that simply means God's order is Jesus Christ. When we function in him, his order, when we have his word through the power of the Holy Spirit being our guide and teaching us, what do we experience? We experience not only our oneness with each other, our oneness with God, but our oneness with each other. You see, because if I am one with him, in a local assembly. I am one with that local assembly. And there's no difference. There's never going to be any difference. And so even when he has us to do certain things, they're never to be done on our own. They're done as a part of, a, of the local assembly. And of course, every one of us, in whatever age we're in, we need to be very careful. All of us do. Whether we're babes, in First John 2, 12 and 14, whether we're babes, or whether we're young men and women, or whether we're spiritual dads. And then I do believe in order, they're spiritual moms, but in that aspect, they're spiritual fathers. And especially we need to be very, very careful. All of us do, but especially young people need to be extremely careful because the enemy can come in. That's why it says in 1 Timothy 5 and verse 22, where it says, lay hands don't lay hands on any particular individual suddenly. In other words, we need to be very careful about how we do that because we could be setting them up for the enemy to come in, to lift them up, and then to slam them down. And so we all need to be. And there's where we're going we're gonna to read in Titus, but there's where we need to, uh, this, the older ones that have walked the road of grace, and uh, in, in that road there's a lot of failure and wisdom and understanding, uh, how we can encourage those that are younger and to be very careful so that they, so again, not laying hands on anyone suddenly. That means you may even recognize a great work of God going on in them, but we need to be careful. <laughs> it's better to pray for them at that particular time silently and to encourage them in Christ than to lift them up too much. <laughs> And, and, uh, and that's for their sake, and that's love, and that's protection. Because when we function that way, in Proverbs 10 and verse 12 and 1 Peter 4 and verse 8, love will cover what could be a multitude of sins. And we must remember where pride was first manifested in Ezekiel 28 and verse 15, Satan, who was who Lucifer, he was lifted up because of pride, because of his own beauty. Yeah, that's what happens. And so, and that's pride. Pride really is, is sin, and really it's just independence. It's thinking that I now have a specific call because God's doing all these wonderful things in my life that's going to be separate from a local assembly. I couldn't tell you anything further from the truth, anything more dangerous than that. Mm -hmm. 
and he's given. See, he's given he's given the babes to the young men. So when it says that, even in First John two twelve and fourteen, he gives the babes to the young men for what purpose? For, for love. The babes go to the young men to be protected by love, and then they have fellowship. But but the young men they have the spiritual dads, and it works this way. And we need to be very very careful. Uh, all of us in any age, but especially again younger, because that's when he'll come in. And and that's why it says in First Timothy, and again this is proper order. First Timothy, the first the, the epistle of First Timothy, First Timothy three six, not a novice. See, not a novice, and that means new, not only newly born again, but receiving new truth, and you're edified and built up. <laughs> but that's when the enemy. It's just waiting, just waiting, uh, waiting for young people, waiting for them. Don't listen to the voice that tells you that, you know, that God's given you all these things to be independent of him as he, ex- as he is expressed in an order in a local assembly. And this is just tremendous protection uh, for all. So again, that's why it says, and I'll read it here, in, in 1 Timothy, remember, this is teaching individuals that make up local assemblies how to function in proper order. Of course, we always know the proper order is humility and dependence, constant, so that we don't lift ourselves up too highly. And that's the enemy. And he tries that with all of us, no matter what age, but especially younger. I'm just telling you the truth. This is the truth to protect you. He will cause you to think too highly of yourself. And God never gave us that truth, these precious things. He never blessed us, gave us truth, and gave us a call to lift ourselves up, did he? Never. It's to lift up Christ. You see that in John 12, 32. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. He'll do that through a vessel. We need to be make it very important not to separate the vessel from Christ. <laughs> very, very careful. Because then we separate and what we separate into in Second Corinthians 4, 7, we separate ourselves into a weak vessel. And it's no longer the treasure that Christ is. There's no longer true value. There's none in independence. We need to be very, very careful of that. Extremely so, all of us. But in, here it is, again, in order. <clears throat> in 1 Timothy 3, 1, it says this. This is a true saying. This is, this is scriptural. That's why it's the word of God. If a man, and notice it's a man, never a woman, in God's order, women have, listen, in the equality of God's plan, we're all equal in him. <laughs> Galatians 3.26, we are all equal. We don't all occupy an equal place, but even in that, there's protection. And that's Galatians 3 and verse 28. We don't all occupy the same place. We just don't. So this is a true a saying, it's scriptural, it's the word of God, it's God breathed, that if any man desires the, the, the office, the function of a overseer, bishop, many call themselves bishops today, and they don't even understand, unfortunately, uh, the word and what it means. He desires a good work. Okay, it's a good work. Whose work would it be if it would be good? You see? So then a leader, a bishop, an overseer is really what it means. Then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, always watchful, sober in that sense, thinking clearly, and of a very good, a very good behavior, modest. He lives modestly, modest behavior. Okay, given to hospitality. Then apt to teach. Apt to teach here is brought out in Second Timothy two, and verse fifteen, and Second Timothy two and verse twenty-four means highly skillful. He's highly, highly skillful in the Word of God. Now, a young person may have a gift, may even have the gift of a pastor teacher, but to lift them up and to lay hands suddenly on them before they even have taken what, has, what they know in declarative knowledge has not yet taken hold of their experience can be very dangerous for them. For them. And so not given to wine, no striker, not a brawler, not greedy of filthy lucre, that's brought out in, again in First Peter 5 and verses 3 and 4. But patient, patient, and growth takes patience, takes patience. Not a brawler, that's physically or otherwise in conversation. Not a brawler, 
and conversation too. Not covetous. Ooh, you can see that in Exodus 20 and 17. Not coveting, but being content in Hebrews 13, 5 with such things as you have because he said he won't leave you nor forsake you. One that rules well his own house. Now, if you're an individual, you're the house of God. Are you ruled by him? And then in a home, too, in proper order. One who knows well how to rule his own house, having his children in subjection, submission to Christ through him as their head, as their teacher, with all gravity and all soberness. For if a man not, know not how to rule his own house, think, I want us to think about that, men individually, do you, even though you may have a call and you may be young, and this is true for all, but I'm speaking now of young specifically. If you are young and you do have a gift and God has given you the word, is that word in you as an individual? Has it found a place in you where you know how to rule yourself as God's house? Has that happened? That's why you don't lay hands on anyone suddenly, especially if they're young. For if a man not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Notice that, see? Not a novice, not a neophyte, not newly come. Not only newly come in terms of salvation, but in this context, it's newly come to all those truths that are the word of God. Those truths that make up who Christ is personally in them as an individual and the work that he has accomplished and is, as a result, accomplishing in and through them. This is what it's saying here, not a novice. Why? Because lest being lifted up with what? Pride, he will fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report also of them that are without, not only within the local assembly, but all those that are without. How do they see him? It's not what we say that reveals who's in control of us. It's how we live our lives. It's our conduct. And our conduct, when it should be equal to the character of who we are as we walk in the light of God's presence in Christ. That's brought out again in 1 John 1 and verse 7. You can see that we have 1 John 1, 7. We have that fellowship and we experience the finished work as it is a constant and continuous cleansing once and for all. And that's what Jesus was teaching Peter and he teaches us in John 13, 7 to 10. Once you're born again, you've been thoroughly washed, then you just need to have your feet washed and we need that constantly through the teaching, the water of the word. We see that in Ephesians 5, 26 and 27. This is all being brought out here. Moreover, he must have a good report of them that are without. See, so in both cases, there is a good report, meaning there's a good report in the local assembly. And you don't do it subtly at all because you set them up for failure. I can't tell you how many times I have seen, I have seen with well-intentioned men, men that taught truth, but that sent out others way too young, way too young, not only to their hurt, but to the hurt of others. Growth takes time. You know, the Jews, with the teaching of the word, and that word was, was absolutely correct, that they didn't believe that men, men, males, didn't reach the age of any kind of maturity till the ages of between 35 and 40 years of age. <laughs> Think about it. Lay hands suddenly on no man. It says man. No male. Be very careful. And uh, we need to be careful of that. I need to be careful of that. Uh, for their sake, for, for God's glory. So for God to love us involves his glory. And if, we, and if he loves us and protects us the right way, then what is that? Then they're going to be blessed, right? He must have a good report, not only of those that are within, that are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil, the snare of the devil. Now, what is the snare here? And we can see this in Proverbs the 29th chapter, and I'll read that verse for you. 
Proverbs 29-22 says this, An angry man stirs up strife, and a furious man abounds in transgression. A man's pride will bring him low. You see, there's anger. Expresses of anger. And boy, that's the thing I can see. The older I get, the less and less. Thank God that's out. <laughs> A man's pride will bring him low, but honor will uphold the humble in spirit. Do you see that? Because what? In Proverbs 15, 33, in Proverbs 18 and verse 12, before honor is what? Humility. Honor means exaltation, promoting us. Promoting us. See, and we need to be promoted in our thinking over a good process of time. Because growth takes time, something you cannot eliminate. Whoso is partner with a thief hates his own soul. Now, of course, we know here it's not just stealing, but it's, it's John 10, 10. The thief comes. And he's always going to, he tests all of us, but especially young people, to steal, kill, and destroy. To steal, kill, and destroy. You see? And there's the thief. But whoso is partner with a thief? Is there areas in my life, and in any of our lives, where we, we had been partners with the thief in our experience, or we had the potential? We all have that potential. I don't care who it is. Again, babes, young men, or spiritual dads. That's potential. But it's greater. It's greater. Not so much, I don't think, in babes, but young men. This is where I think it really is. Because those are the ones that, that, God, that God is going to raise up through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need to be very, 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 very careful. I would say the best thing that we could do for the young people, obviously, is to continue to encourage them in who they are in Christ, but with a deep, hidden prayer life for them. More than anything. More than anything. And allow God to do in them, as he does in us, but in them, what needs to be done to protect them. So whosoever is partnered with a thief hates his own soul. He hears cursing and doesn't even know it. The fear of man, and here's what happens, you see. When we think too highly of ourselves... This is Proverbs, for any of us, for any of us, but in Proverbs 16, 18, it said, pride goes before what? Destruction. The thief comes in 1010 10a of John to steal, kill, and what? To bring to destruction. Right? The so again, the fear of man brings a snare. You see that? Pride goes before destruction in Proverbs 16, 18. And a haughty spirit before a what? A fall. That's the fall in 1 Timothy 3.6. Not a novice, newly come, newly come. You may recognize certain things in individuals. You need to be extremely careful. The worst thing you could do is build up anybody, but especially young people, to build them up in, in, in pride. It's the worst thing we could do. We may have well intentions, but that wouldn't be wisdom. Encouragement, yes. All day long, yes, please. Encouragement, yes. Love, yes. Without a question about it. But I believe those things will be greater felt by those young ones through a prayer life than even vocalizing certain things. Not a novice, okay? So, the fear of man brings a snare. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. The fear of man brings a what? A snare. Do you see what that's saying? But whoso puts his trust in the Lord will be set on high. That's where we get 1 Peter 5 and verse 6. Humble yourselves. Allow yourselves to be humbled under the mighty hand of God so that you don't experience the hand of the enemy. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Due time. How long did it take? Not that it's going to take that long, not that I believe we have that much time. In 1 Corinthians seven twenty-nine, I believe the time is short. But how long did he have to wait for Abraham and Sarah, 
for him to accomplish his purpose in them when they finally came to the end of themselves. And self-help and self-hopelessness. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoso puts his trust in the Lord will be set on high. Will be set on high. Now again, back to the order of where we are here. And this is where this is what we're to be taught as in local assemblies as individuals. How to function as an individual in local assembly. First, it's part of 1 Timothy 3, verse 6. So it says, Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. He must be. He must have a good report of them that, would, that are without, lest he fall into the reproach and the snare of the devil. That means if, they, if we're not properly taught and not grow, haven't grown experientially, when we even get outside to others and we fail, then the devil will use them to reproach us. But really, to bring shame, to bring shame on the name of Christ and on Christ who's in that vessel. Likewise, must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in what? A conscience that's been purified. And that's, that takes growth over a process of time. All of this is, is teaching us these things. And we're going to see. Now, if you follow that through and, and you read the Bible and allow the Holy Spirit to take those truths and make them real to you in your experience, you can see in 1 Timothy, again, the third chapter, how it leads right into the fourth chapter. In, in 1 Timothy 4.1, Now the Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, speaks expressly, clearly, concisely, that in the latter times, and that's where we are, some will depart from the faith. All those things that they knew to be true, knew they were right, had to do with the person of Christ and all the work that he accomplished, they, they leave them. They leave them. Not that they weren't born again, but that they leave them. Giving heed, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Follow, you follow it all the way down through. And this is where, and remember, First Timothy, there's a lot of truth that we can understand as a church, and we are to glean from this. There's no question. This is for us. This is for each individual to understand their proper place in God's order before him and in a local assembly. It's for every one of us. Each of us as individuals that are in Christ because, because we've been placed in him and, and as a result, he is in us. This is all for us, every single bit of it. But we must remember that this was from an apostle to a very young pastor. He had that gift. But he was talking to Timothy this, saying, yes, I recognize you have this gift. But you need to be very careful. Because if you're not careful, you will be lifted up into the pride of the devil. And he wants to lift you up so he can throw you down. And remember, we've been taught by precious men of God. I know I've been taught by these men. And I've, the first time I heard this was, an eight, was given to me from a man of God in 1840. <laughs> sure it goes back further because it's the Bible. But humility is not thinking too highly of myself. It's not thinking too lowly of myself. It's not thinking of self at all. We have the mind of Christ. It's either self or the mind of Christ in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 16 in Philippians 2 and verse 5. But there has to be a let that mind be in you. That happens through Colossians 3, verse 16. Let the word that Christ is dwell in you richly with all wisdom and knowledge and understanding. You'll see what it leads to. You'll see what it's the result of in Colossians 3, verse 16, starting at verse 1 in that same chapter, all the way down through the end. Beautiful. You see the flow of it. Again, that's for all of us, every one of us. But this is written from an apostle 
through a young man who has, has a gift. But this is what he's teaching him, and this is what he's teaching us, and expressly this morning teaching young men. 1 Timothy 4, verse 14. Neglect not the gift that is in you. Who's the gift? The gift is Christ himself. He allows us to function in that particular gift that he's given us to function in. Neglect not the gift that is in you. You can't separate who gave the gift from the giver. This is what this is teaching. Which means we constantly need to be humble and constantly need to be dependent. Every single one of us. But especially those in any any place of leadership. Oh, much more are you a target. Much, much more are you a target. Neglect not the gift that is in you which was given you by prophecy. This is very badly interpreted in many circles. Which was given you by prophecy with a laying on of the hands of the presbytery. They didn't make him be something. They just recognized and said that in this area we recognize this is who he is. Not necessarily ready, ready to go. Two things I found in my, well, let's see, I was about 23 years old when I was taught, and I'm 70 right now, when I was first began to be taught. Two things I've learned in my own life when, when I forget or neglect the gift that Christ is in me. I either run way ahead of him or I lag way behind. <laughs> neglect not the gift that is, that is in you. Would you have a gift in you if Christ wasn't there? He's the giver of them, Ephesians 4, 8, and 11, which was given you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. That means you may have knowledge, but there's going to take, it's going to take all kinds of time to meditate upon these things. For that truth to penetrate, that positional truth to penetrate into our experience. You know, the word is like, again, you've ever seen at the grocery stores, you ever seen a chicken on a rotisserie? And it's going around. It's not just put in the oven, put on 600, and come out. It just goes over and over. Then all of that heat and all of that learning begins to penetrate. That's what this is talking about. It talks about that in Psalm 39, verses 3 and four also in terms of meditation. So meditation simply means it's not learning something new. It's learning what's declarative so that it becomes an experience. That's why you don't lay hands on anyone suddenly, ever. But at the same time, meditate upon these things. This is to the individual. Give yourself wholly to them. That's Acts 6, 4. Give yourself to prayer, a prayer life. Boy, what, you can put all that armor on in Ephesians 6, 10 to 17. But without prayer in verse 18, you're very, and I would be, and we are, very unprepared. Because we could have all that truth on, but all that armor on, all that truth, and still not be dependent. And then I'll go out to battle. And what do you suppose is going to happen when I think too highly of myself in battle? Down I'm going to go. Down I am going to go. And so here it says this. Give yourself, meditate. You as an individual, you have to meditate upon these things. You have to give yourself wholly to them. That your profiting may appear to all. To who? Those within, first and foremost, the local assembly. This is Galatians 6, 6 through 10. First the local assembly. Then out. To wherever God has you, not independence in your own, think you're thinking it's your own independent call. Never, never. Still part of it. You're always going to be some part of a local assembly. There's no question about it. Where he has you go in that place, okay, is, is for you bring people there into the local assembly. You don't bring them into your own private call. Because that would be what we would know as to be is pride. <laughs> and we all have that. 
resident in the flesh in Romans 8, 9, but we're not of it. Isn't that amazing? We're not of it. Now, take heed unto who? Yourself. Take heed, oh, above everything. Oh, boy, guard yourself. The per- you know who the person is that needs most to be guarded? If you've got a mirror, you can look into it. <laughs> look into the mirror of the Word, the glass there, in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 12. That's who needs most to take heed. Take heed unto yourself and unto the teaching, the doctrine. Continue in them. Continue. What does that mean? Continual learning. Continual growing. Continual submission. Continual not independence. Not independence, but constant dependence. Continue in them. Why? Because in doing this, first, who are you going to deliver? Yourself. Deliver yourself from what? Falling into the condemnation of the devil. Follow the context. See? You'll save, you'll deliver both yourself and them that will hear you. And hearing here, okay, goes into submission what you've truly submitted to, whether it's the flesh or, your, or, or Christ. And so when it says that, to them that hear you, okay, they, recog- they look not so much at what you say, but how you live your life. That's what teaches. Then they're able to receive the word. Of course, and then it goes right down again. You see it all the way down here in verse 5. Rebuke not an elder. That doesn't mean just someone that holds an office, you know, a particular function, pastor or teacher. No, it means someone older. You never, ever, ever, ever rebuke an elder in your thought life or in your words, verbally or non-verbally, any of us, right? But entreat him as a what? As a father, because it you're all members in the body of Christ as a father. And the younger men as brethren, the elder women as mothers. The younger as sisters with all purity. And then you honor widows that are widows indeed and follow it all the way down through. It's very beautiful. And that's teaching, that's teaching God's order. You'll see the rest of it there. You can see the rest of it. That's teaching God's order. But now, Second Timothy... Second Timothy is God teaching how the individual can function in order in the midst of disorder. Because the church as a whole, truthfully, is in a state, not all individuals, not all local assemblies by any means, and none are better than others. It's not true. But as a whole, are functioning in disorder. Not that God doesn't love them, not in measure that they don't love God, but they're functioning in disorder. And as a result, when you function in disorder, how do you function? Displaced. You don't function in your proper place. That's what the whole first chapter is teaching. Functioning in proper place so that you in your place can still function in your proper place in the midst of disorder. Because Christ will be the order of your mind and the content of your thinking. That's what it teaches. And so all the way through the second epistle, you'll follow that through, read it, and you'll see that that is how the individual should function. And you'll see it all the way through. The words are beautifully brought out by the Holy Spirit. And then we come to even Titus, and Titus is still part of that. Titus is still part of it which is beautiful. And again, we can see in Titus, the first chapter, and in the fifth verse, it says this. Paul says this. For this cause, the cause of all how to function as individuals, for this cause left I, you, Titus, in Crete, that you should set what? In order, in individuals. The things that are lacking. Do we all have that lack? Do we all know, any of us, do we know everything as we ought to know in 1 Corinthians 8, 1 and 2? No. We're in a learning process. But he sent them to set the things in order that were, that were lacking and to set other elders in every city, not to ordain, lay hands. It's not at all what it's saying here at all. 
Never, ordination the way it is given today is never in the scriptures, not one single time. The Apostle Paul never ordained a single pastor, not one single time ever did that ever happen. Not one single time. Some try to use, some try to use the fact that in, in Acts, the 13th chapter, in those first two verses, that they ordained Paul. Now, <laughs> an apostle at that point needed to be ordained. No, did not. That does away with that. That's not what this is teaching here. Okay, That you would set elders in every city, city as I appoint them, older people, older men, to look after who? The young men and the babes, young women and, and so forth, and babes. If any be blameless, even those older, not necessarily even having a preaching or teaching gift, if any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly, for a bishop, an overseer, that's all this means, it's not like some title, some like have these titles today, bishop, uh, master, pastor, reverend, by the way, reverend, in Psalm 111, verse 9, the Bible says, holy and reverend is his name. No man ever takes the title reverend. That title is Christ. Psalm 111, Verse 9. We'll make that crystal clear. So anyone who's an overseer must be blameless as the steward, household manager, how he manages. And God gives the grace in 1 Peter 4.11 to teach us how to be faithful stewards of the manifold poikilos, many faceted sides of grace. For everything you're involved in, he will give you grace. But who's he give it to in James 4, 6 and 1 Peter 5 and verse 6? Okay, as the steward of God, not self-willed. You can have a lot of information about the Bible, but still be self-willed. Not soon angry. Not given to wine, no striker. Not given to filthy... Lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men. Good things for men, by the way. That's the way it should read. <laughs> a lover of giving good things to men to cause them to be sober, to live in justice, to, to be holy and pure and temperate, self, self-controlled, holding completely, held fast by the faithful word. That's what it's saying. As he that has been taught that he may be able by sound teaching both to exhort and to convince those gainsayers, those liars that come against it. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, the works crowd entering into and adding works to the purity of the grace and truth that Christ is, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake, unfortunate. One, one of them, even as a prophet of their own, said, the Cretans are always liars. Well, who isn't in the flesh? Evil beasts, slow bellies. Slow bellies. That goes into, you know, they have all these lustful tastes for all kinds of other things. And they, in that sense, in Philippians 3.18, are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Now, I am not God's enemy, but when I function in the flesh, what am I? I'm an enemy of the cross of Christ. A little too highly of myself, a little too lowly of myself, right? And both are the source of pride, by the way. The height of thinking too highly of myself is pride, and too lowly of myself, that's pride. Both are pride. And humility the lack of self being lost in his presence in Psalm 1611. filled with all the good treasures that Christ is in us as, as his vessels. The witness, this witness is true, wherefore it rebuke them sharply. Boy, how many of us like that when we're in the flesh, right? Rebuke them sharply. And this is pointed, very pointed love. It's not, it's not fierce anger, but it is, it's very pointed. That they may be sound in the faith. Teaching is, is putting good sense into the head's of those that are Christ. But the, what has to be moved out? <laughs> Can love and pride exist? 
than the experience. They, they can't. So, not giving heed to Jewish fables, mixing all Jewishness and bringing, they say, you know, now, well, we don't do the, the ceremony, but we do believe it civilly. It's not true at all. Christ ended the whole thing in Romans 10, verse 4. He's the end of the law, period. Civilly or otherwise, ceremony or otherwise, makes the, or ruler, ruler. He doesn't use the, use the, the law to rule over us. The, the law he was used to teach us that we can't do it to bring us to Christ in Matthew, uh, in, in Romans seven twelve, and right down through to the end of that chapter that they can see who they are in Christ in 725. We're almost to the point here. So, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men, teachings of men in their vain tradition make void the word of God in Mark 7 and verse 13 that, that turn men from the truth. And who is the truth? That's Christ. It's the person of Christ and what he's accomplished. The work that he's accomplished. Verse uh, Chapter 2 says, But speak you separated from that. Well, I, I forgot here in 15. Unto the pure, what? All things are what? Pure. In other words, you mean all things are pure? No, but I see them. I see what evil is when I function in the purity of who I am in Christ. That's what this is teaching. To the pure, all things are pure. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, nothing holy, nothing sacred. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. They, they profess that they know God, but they don't have a true confession. But in their works, their behavior, they what? They deny him. Because it's some kind of a form again in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 5. Being abominable and disobedient. Disobedience. And unto every good work, in Philippians 2, 12 and 13, every good work, being reprobate or void of judgment or not passing the test. But you, but speak you the things which become sound doctrine. Who should we speak them to first? Ourselves. Ourselves. That the aged men be sober. They are to be sober, be vigilant. Grave, temperate, understanding the balance and love and wisdom, sound in faith, in love, not charity, in love, and in patience. The aged woman, likewise, he's showing us where women function, he's showing us all of this now individually, watch. The aged woman, likewise, that they, they be in behavior as becomes what? As becomes holiness, or another word is what? that brings out the holiness of Christ in them. And then they're not false accusers. They're holy women in their behavior. That's conduct. When we function in proper conduct, when we do, and who we are in Christ, then our behavior is holy. Doesn't always, it's not always the case, but it's truly the character of who we are in 1 John 1, 7. Okay, the, the aged woman, as it becomes their behavior, their conduct, as becomes their proper position in Christ. Not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. And here's where they come in, the older women, that they may teach the young women. Notice that? They are to teach the young women to be what? Also to be sober-minded, to think clearly, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, pure, keepers at home, they're not out on the town, boy, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands as is fit in the Lord now, Colossians 3 and verse 18, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort. And that's what God is doing with all of us in measure, he's touching every single one of us this morning as he's touching young men. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded, 
to think clearly, not to think too highly of themselves, not to think too lowly of themselves, but to think of everything that God has for them as an individual is for God's glory and their blessing, but for them to be, for them to be in the body of Christ, a joint that supplies. In all things, in all things, showing yourself a pattern of good works. In teaching, showing uncorruptness, gravity and sincerity. Sound speech that cannot be condemned, that the enemy can't use to condemn you. See the love protecting God's order? How his order of love and how it functions is to protect us. That he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed having no evil thing to say of you. Well, really, it says of us, because one is a reflection of the whole in a local assembly, by the way. They'll know, they'll know where you, they'll know where you, and those, that that you come from by who you are. That's what this is teaching. Exhort servants to be obedient. So you can't replace obedience in every aspect in every single thought, in every single circumstance and situation. Be obedient unto your own masters, wherever you work, or those that are over you, because we know in Romans 13 and verse 1, all the powers, all the authorities that be are ordained of God. And even they may mean things for evil, but God will mean them for our good. He will, without any question about that. Okay? So exhort servants to be obedient unto their masters and to please them well in all things. Listen, not answering again. Don't answer back. And you know what a rebuke to an older person is. It's an answer back. That's what that is. You ever with your parents? They tell you what to do and what they say? Don't you answer me back. How many ever felt some of the reprisal to that? <laughs> I think we all have in some measure. Not purloining, you know. All about self. Huh. You ever get tired of hearing someone talk about themselves? <laughs> None of us have ever done that, have we? But showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Now here's where we're getting and we're going to close. And this is how close we are. This is all preparation. In my study, my own personal devotions and study and God counseling me, bringing out these tremendous truths again, bringing clearly in my mind and studying thoroughly again this morning, prophecy. Where we are is teaching us how close we are to seeing him face to face. I've never seen more people than I know going home to be with the Lord at any other time in my life, ever. In all ages, you look at it, even on some of these feeds on Facebook, this young person went home, this one, this one was 16, this one was five, that, all these different. But for my age group, oh boy, for the grace of God in Titus 2.11 that has brought salvation and keeps bringing deliverances has appeared to all men. What? Teaching us. Why are we here? It's an opportunity. The opportunity is to be what? Taught teaching us to be thankful in Ephesians 5.20 and 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18. Teaching us that denying ungodliness, that's not going to stop till we see him face to face. Denying ungodliness and worldly lust, where the worldly lust reside, in the flesh that's in us, but that we're not of in Romans 8.9. That's why in Romans 8.1 through 8, we need to read that and understand it, to understand by the time we get to 8.9 of Romans, the eighth chapter. Denying ungodliness and worldly lusts that we should live soberly. We're not like drunk on the atmosphere and, and how it teaches the world how they have to do things. Because the, the world is under Satan in 1 John five nineteen. To live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world system where we are. Because what is we to do as we're being taught here, and as we are a heavenly people, where should I view be? On the earth? Horizontal or vertical? Look what it says. Looking for that blessed hope. 
and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Literally, in the original, it says that great God who is our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what it says. It's not separating the two. Jesus said in John 14, 9, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said in John 10, 30, I and the Father are one. Okay. He reveals the Father. He shows us what God is like. He makes visible the invisible, all-ruling, everywhere present God. In Isaiah 57 and verse 15. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for you and I individually. Yeah, it's us, but individually. That he might redeem us from all iniquity. All areas where we haven't submitted our will and function outside of him. All iniquity and purify unto himself. Again, this is brought out in Ephesians 5, 26 and 27. He brought out beautifully. A particular people zealous of his good works. That's Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. His good works. These things... These things, and that's what God had, is having me do this morning as he's speaking unto me and through me. As I asked him, okay, Lord, you've loaded me with all this truth and all this word and all this stuff. I, don't, what do, I come down and what do you have, Lord? I'm praying, what do you have? And he said, turn with me. <laughs> and I did it with you. Who gave himself for us. These things speak and exhort and rebuke, and this is love, the authority of love. He rebuked Peter. We all saw that picture, didn't we, in Matthew 16, 23. After Peter spoke these great things, these great truths, and he thought that truth lifted him up to a certain place, and then he was going to take control and help Jesus. And Jesus let him know clearly, I don't need your help. Matter of fact, your help will keep me from doing what I'm supposed to do, and the enemy will take advantage of you. See, he had a novice tendency. And we all have it in the flesh. We all need to, in 2 Timothy 2.22, flee youthful lust, but follow Christ and what is brought out in, the, in, those, in that verse. In 2 Timothy 2.22 to the end of the chapter. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. This is God's love. Let no man despise you or take you lightly. Don't you be afraid. You speak. You speak the truth. You speak the truth in love in Ephesians 4.15. Speak it in love. Father, thank you this morning for your loving counsel to all of us. In 1 John 2.12-14, to babes. I think in some aspects we are babes in certain areas of our lives. But unto babes in all actuality and all suddenly, to young men, to spiritual dads. Thank you for your loving counsel in Jesus' name. Amen.